You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Today, Pastor Dan Jetto shares an encouraging message about finding strength in the perfect timing of our Savior. We are living in a time unlike any other in our nation's history. When life seems like it is falling apart, God is still in control. In the midst of the darkest times throughout Scripture, we see God working His plan in His perfect timing. Watch and learn how we can find strength as we trust in God's perfect timing, demonstrated in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Hello, welcome to my living room again. It's my week to preach for River Rock Church. You can come and watch our service. If you watch our uh, webpage, we'll put out an announcement about a half hour before the service where we're meeting. We are currently doing kind of flash mob uh, messages in different locations depending on what we can grab as we cannot meet in the school as we used to. Today I'm going to be preaching on finding strength in the perfect timing of our Savior. And it's from Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8. If you're at home, you can grab your Bible, pause this. If you're going to come and watch, uh, uh, if you want to bring your phone, uh, you can do that uh, or bring your Bible with you to, to watch as I preach on uh, Sunday. Finding strength in the perfect timing of our Savior. I'm going to go to baseball. Baseball season has just recently kicked off. The Twins are 3-1 and one as of I'm making this message on a Wednesday night. Um, and in baseball, a 100-mile-per-hour pitch enters the hitting zone about 0.41 seconds uh, after it leaves the pitcher's hands. The typical reaction time of a major league hitter is about 0.2 seconds. It takes 0.1 second to get the bat into the hitting area. That means he has 0.1 seconds to make the decision of where he's going to swing and what he's going to swing at. Uh, very, very short time. So for him to, to get a hit in the fielding area, his timing has to be perfect. Uh, for those of you who are uh, women athletes, I want you to know that a college women's softball player trying to hit a 68-mile-an-hour softball pitch has to have the same type of reaction time as a Major League Baseball pitcher. And so these athletes who are able to do this, to have that perfect timing, get the bat into that perfect location, uh, that's amazing. Split decision-making that they have to make to make those types of hits. And what's even more amazing, I looked at the, the Major League Baseball pitching, and say somebody throws a 95-mile-an-hour pitch, and they throw one at changeup at 85 miles an hour, and you see the batter swing way out in front of it. The difference is 0.04 seconds as far as the timing when it crosses a plate. And so when we see that, uh, we know and can recognize that perfect timing uh, needs to happen. Both uh, the women and the men require amazing hand-eye coordination. They have to make split-second decisions. And the perfect timing in these cases is not only getting the bat into the hitting zone at the right time, it's getting the bat on the right plane at the right time. So it's not just a timing, it's a time and place. And when we look at perfect timing in Scripture, it's also time and place, and it goes beyond that. So when we look at our passage today, we will see that God talks about the right time, but He's also talking about the right place, the right people around, the right conditions in the world, Everything is right, and everything is happening as he planned it. So if you have your Bible, 
uh, with you now. Follow along with me as I read in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, as I open this passage, uh, we need to understand that when Christ went to the cross, it was far from comfortable. It wasn't easy for him to go to the cross. In fact, when you look throughout the Bible, you will find that it is difficult things uh, happening, but God is still working his plan. The timing for the people then and for us today is still within God's timing, and it's still perfect timing, and God is working his plan just as he was before, just as he will in the future. And that brings me to my uh, bumper sticker, the bumper sticker for us today, and I, I, I'd like to have a bumper sticker, something, one thing that hopefully will stick in your mind as you remember this passage today, and that's our current desperation is God's planned preparation. So our current desperation is God's planned preparation. The passage begins, While we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. All I can say is, wow. Every one of us were helpless. We could not now, could not then, save ourselves from our sin. We needed a perfect sacrifice to pay that price. And as Paul explains earlier in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a single person who's ever lived other than Jesus Christ who has lived a sinless life. And then again later in Romans 6.23, he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. These passages are familiar to us, but they point out that as sinners, we are helpless to save ourselves. Our sin is separating us from God. We, we were eternally uh, destined for hell. That was where our reservations were made. The passage continues, at the right time. Let's take some time to think about this phrase. At the right time. And, and I want us to be able to see the whole picture of what that right time was as Paul is describing this night when Jesus died at the right time. And here's a partial list. Rome had authority over Jerusalem and the Jews. The Jews did not have the authority to kill Jesus. They needed the Romans to do that. The Roman Empire was at peace, and after Christ died, as Christians were dispersed over an area larger than the United States, reaching as far west as north and north as England, the area crossed the entire north coast of Africa um, into Egypt, and further west into Syria and what is modern-day Iraq and Iran and then all of continental Europe. That's how big the Roman Empire became shortly after Jesus died. There were two common languages at this time, Greek, which was spread by Alexander the Great, and that was the trade language of the area, and Latin, which was a Roman language. And it allowed for an ease of communication as the gospel was spread after Jesus' resurrection throughout the empire. It had been 400 years between the last prophet and when John the Baptist came 
to announce Jesus as the Messiah. And this awakened within the people uh, a spiritual desire and a hope of the coming of the Messiah when it all been quiet and now they were hearing sounds again of God moving. It was the Passover in Jerusalem. This is the most important feast uh, of, uh, for the Jewish religion. It was an announcement and a celebration of their being freed from the Egyptians. Uh, again, um, the place is important. And so Jerusalem is an important city for people to coming into. And all of the Jews were coming into Jerusalem to celebrate this Passover so as many people as possible would be around for both the crucifixion and for the resurrection. So Jesus, in his perfect timing, God in his perfect timing, brought as many people as possible to witness the event so they could believe that Jesus was the Messiah. The Passover lamb was slaughtered and his blood was painted on the doorways. Uh, uh, that's part of the Passover, what the Passover entailed, when the initial Passover. And that was so that when the angel came to slay the, the firstborn sons of Egypt, the angel would pass over the Israelites and save them and protect them. Jesus is the lamb that was slain for our sins. And we celebrate communion. We, we, we remember this and we're basically proclaiming that Jesus is the one who was slain for our sins and he was resurrected to give us eternal life. Jesus has bought that for us. Jesus experiences a brutal beating and death on a cross the Friday just before the, the Sabbath. To, to be hung on a tree was a curse. Jesus became the curse for us. It was a very public death so that all could see that Jesus was not faking it. This was not a fake death. The Romans were very good at torturing and they knew how to kill people. They knew when people were dead. Jesus truly died on that Friday. Jesus was raised on Sunday, the first day of a new week, bringing us the promise of our own resurrection with him and new life with him, a promise that we too will someday be raised with him. And he's, he's initiated a new covenant that he, that he proclaimed at the Last Supper. This right time, though, was extremely, excruciatingly painful for Jesus. Physically, he was tortured um, by professional torturers. Emotionally, because he was abandoned by all of his friends and followers. And spiritually, as his, his father Heavenly Father turned his back on him. And Matthew 27, 45 describes that. And it says, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And then he died. Our passage says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for me. He died for you. He died for all who were willing to accept his sacrifice as a payment for their sins. Now the passage continues. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. Now the passage says rarely someone might die for a just person. Jesus died for the unjust. He died for me, an unjust person. When I repented and accepted his sacrifice, he took away my sins. 
Want to know something else? He died for anyone who is willing to do the same. And I don't care if it's an ISIS fighter who decides that they want to repent and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus died for them as well. I'd like to thank before I accepted Jesus' gift, I, I really like to think that I was a good person. But you know what? I was deceiving myself. My heart was hard. Jesus took my heart of stone and he gave me a new heart, a heart of flesh, one that was soft, that was able to love. And that means love somebody other than myself. If he did it for me, he can do it for anyone. Before we go any farther, I want to give anyone who hasn't asked Jesus to become their Lord and Savior, have anyone who has never accepted his gift of eternal life that he offers freely to all who are willing to receive it, I want to give you the opportunity to do so now. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's not the words of the prayer that are important. What matters is what's in your heart, what it is that you want to say to Jesus. Um, prayer is not a bunch of magic words that we say. And Jesus is waiting. He desires to give you that gift of eternal life. He wants you to become a Christ follower. He wants to be someone who follows him. He wants you to become someone who is a part of his family. And here's how we pray that. And if, again, it's not the words. You can uh, repeat them after me. Uh, but uh, it's what, what you're uh, thinking, what's in your heart that matters. That Jesus, I am a sinner. I know I deserved an eternity away from your presence. I thank you that you died for me so that I can spend eternity with you. Starting today, I am trusting in your sacrifice as the entire payment for my sin. I give you my life. Thank you for always loving me. Amen. Now, we often end prayers with the word amen, and, and I know my wife might call this running down a bunny trail, but I don't want you to be just saying words that you don't know what they mean. Amen in, in the, comes from the Greek amen, means truly, or I agree. So when we finish praying and we say amen, what we're saying is I agree with what I just said. Have you prayed this and meant it with all your heart? Jesus says that you are now a child of God. Welcome to our family. If you prayed this with me and would like help growing in your new relationship with Jesus, please contact me. You can contact me through the, the church website if you're online. You can contact me at church if you're at church. You can send me an email, um, uh, however you want to do it. We would like to get you resources or people to come alongside of you to help you grow in your new relationship with Jesus. We want to share our lives with you. Now, the last part of the passage explains why Jesus came, what he did in his perfect timing at that perfect place, Jerusalem and the cross, in the midst of the Roman Empire. And it says this in verse 8, that God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for, this, for us. And this was all a part of his plan from the beginning, a plan he had been working since the first man Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. Through all of time, including today, Jesus is still working his plan to save as many as will come to him. So how can I be encouraged by Jesus' perfect timing? Well, here are some things. 
recognize that what looks like chaos, like everything is going wrong, Jesus is not taken by surprise. He is still in control. He is still working his plan. Our current desperation is God's planned preparation. When the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt, God was taking them from a family of about 70 to hard-bodied, fiercely tough army of over 600,000. Our current desperation is God's planned preparation. When the Egyptians were forcing the Israelites to throw their sons into the Nile so that they would drown, God had in mind Moses, and he had chosen Moses, and he had Moses become the, uh, the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, a prince in the realm of Egypt, so he could learn their customs and languages and the, the, uh, the way to approach people in the court, in, in Pharaoh's court. Uh, God was preparing him. And then he sent him off into the desert for 40 years. So he, before he came back, or for a few years, I don't know if it's 40 years, however many years, to come back and lead his people out of Egypt. Our current desperation is God's planned preparation. When Jesus was being beaten, tried, and crucified, the disciples saw the world out of control and everything crashing down around them. But Jesus was preparing a way for us to spend eternity with him. Our current desperation is God's planned preparation. When Jesus was laid in the tomb on Friday afternoon, Satan thought that he had won, that he had defeated God. But Jesus rose on Sunday. And even though on Friday the disciples were broken and torn and they didn't know what to do, when Jesus rose on Sunday, they were given a joy that could never be taken from them. They saw their risen Savior. Our current desperation is God's planned preparation. Right now our world is stricken with a virus and violence and injustice. Make it look like our nation and our world is falling apart. Nations once united appear to be turning against each other. Our church is homeless, wondering if we will have a place to meet in the future. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus, he is still working his plan. Do you see our current desperation? is God's plan for preparation. We are a part of that plan. We have a purpose to fulfill. We cannot give up. Even in the midst of the chaos and struggles, we need to take the message of the gospel so that people can hear what we have to say, what Jesus wants to offer them. But God proved his own love for us that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the message we have to take to the world, to any and to all who will listen. Now I want us to just spend a moment in silence and each of us individually ask Jesus to show us what we can do in our current desperation to participate in God's planned preparation. Let's, let's just spend some time here. Knowing that as Paul writes in Romans 8.28, uh, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You know, Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, he has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are being counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul writes that in Romans chapter 8. And that is true today as it was in the time of Paul. And we can take heart in that, that no matter what happens, if somebody takes my life, I have not been separated from the love of God. If I lose everything I own, I have not been separated from the love of God. If I get COVID virus and suffer tremendously, I have not been separated from the love of God. I can look at that and say, my current desperation is God's planned preparation. And he tells us that it doesn't matter what we suffer here on earth, because the treasure we have in heaven is so much greater that this will appear as nothing. I hope that you've been encouraged today. If, again, if you uh, prayed uh, with me for the first time, please reach out to me or Pastor Chris so that we can get you resources to help you get started in your relationship with Jesus Christ, growing in that, gaining strength, and being able to walk in the light of his love with great encouragement and the promises that he has for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that in spite of all of the, the chaos in our world today, that you are still in control, that you're not taken by surprise, and that Jesus, that you will work your plan. And Lord, you've put us as, a, as part of that plan, and I pray that you'd help us to fulfill our role. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a great week. Be encouraged. Jesus still loves us. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.